Hi, everyone, in the Worship Center and online. My name is Gary. Thank you to Pastor Simon and the elders for giving me the opportunity to address Grace Hills Church. Two things stand out to me about this church. Grace Hills Church has the best food, <laughs> but it comes at great cost. I have seen the volunteers spill their own precious blood in the process of preparing meals. Second, the people here want to know your name and want you to know theirs. This is a place to know and be known. 50 years ago, my parents gave me a Bible as a Christmas present. It took me 20 months to read the Bible from cover to cover. As I was reading through the Bible, I believed the truth about Jesus, but I wondered, how was I going to live the Christian life? Something in me had to change. I knew I couldn't do it by my own willpower or self-effort. I was wondering, how was I going to make a break from the old way of life? In other words, how does God make old things new? The answer lies in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the forgotten member of the Trinity. On any given day, we tend to think more about God the Father and God the Son than God the Spirit. At the beginning of the new year, I'd like for us to consider how old things are made new. God makes old things new by the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel 36, 26, God promised to give the gift of the Holy Spirit. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. We have something better than Jesus walking beside us. We have his spirit living inside us. We couldn't have the spirit until Jesus went back to heaven. The greatest need of the Christian is for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside me, I have all the power I need. I have all the truth I need. I have all the guidance I need. And I have all the warning to heed. Second Corinthians was the second epistle included in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, Greece, and to the believers in the surrounding region of Achaia. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 teaches four truths about how God makes old things new. Number one, the spirit of truth is the pledge God will trade a new body for my old one. The spirit is the pledge God will trade a new body for my old one. A new body for my old one is the best trade and deal the Lord has made for me. What characterizes my new body? 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Here, the building and house refer to a new body. The new body from God will be eternal. Why does getting a new body even matter? Because the soul without a body 
is naked and needs to be further clothed. At death, my soul will immediately go to heaven, minus my old body. But you and I will not remain in this bodiless condition for eternity. God created Adam and Eve with bodies, and this is how we were meant to live on earth forever. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker by trade, so he wrote about our earthly bodies as tents. The old tent decomposes with time. It gets broken, it gets torn, it stops working the way it should. The old body will no longer protect us against the hot and the cold, will no longer shield us from the wind, rain, and dust, will no longer keep out the insects and animals. Paul made tents with his own hands. Our new bodies will be made by God and not human hands. Those bodies will last forever. We get our new bodies when Christ comes back to earth and these bodies built by God will be eternal. 2 Corinthians 5.4 says, while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. It's a burden to be in the old body. The immortal body is what my groaning frame longs for. When you visit a rest home, you can hear the residents groaning in pain from their bedrooms. Occasionally, you hear someone calling out loudly, help me, help me. A couple of months ago, I prayed with a Christian man from another church whose 94-year-old mother-in-law was burdened with cancer. His mother-in-law is a believer and has a positive attitude because she has the hope of seeing Jesus and receiving an immortal body. She talks with her doctors and nurses about her confidence in Christ. In the first century before Christianity, no other religion besides Judaism taught the resurrection of the body. To the other religions, the body was gross and something to get rid of. The Greek philosophers thought the idea of the resurrection was grotesque. Inventing a religion based on the resurrection would be a non-starter unless it were true. When the mortal is swallowed up by eternal life, then your groaning will turn to glee and your moaning will become laughter. 2 Corinthians 5.5 says, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. The prepared body comes with God's guarantee of the spirit. The guarantee or pledge is not a what, like a 20% down payment, it's a who. We have all of the Holy Spirit living inside us. He is the guarantee of us going to heaven and eventually receiving a new body. A related role of the Holy Spirit 
is that he is the seal of our redemption. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, who has also put his seal on us and given his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. An official seal signifies authenticity, ownership, and security. Being sealed by the Holy Spirit means that God really owns us. The Lord, own, the Lord owns you, and he will make sure you arrive at your heavenly destination. A Christian woman was questioning her salvation. She had accepted Christ early in life, but she was concerned about the many things going on in the world, war, disease, famine, natural disasters, as signs of the coming Jesus and the soon, ret and the soon, uh, and the soon coming of the tribulation. This dear sister in Christ didn't know if she would make it through to the end with her faith still intact. I told her that the Holy Spirit in her heart was God's guarantee and seal of her redemption. How God makes old things new, number two. The spirit of truth gives a new way to make decisions. The spirit of truth gives a new way to make decisions. The Holy Spirit specializes in truth. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And that truth is needed to make wise decisions. You not only need real-time data to make decisions, you need truth and the faith to act on God's truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. What's the new way of making decisions? Make decisions by faith. In the movie Top Gun Maverick, Captain Mitchell used a key phrase that he taught his elite team of fighter pilots. Don't think, just do. Don't think, just do. Now, fighter pilots have to have excellent vision. No, no one else relies on sight more than fighter pilots in a dogfight with enemy warplanes. Yet they have to make split-second decisions without seeing where the enemy plane is. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, don't think, just do. The Holy Spirit sees everything around you, and he knows what's coming. You must follow his directions in order to carry out the impossible mission and survive. Isaiah 30, 21 says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. The indwelling spirit guides us like an internal GPS in a way consistent with the word of God through prayer from a pure heart. Years ago, I had dinner with a missionary friend. This friend 
was a medical missionary in Asia. He liked quoting this verse to me, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now missionaries, they have to have great faith. They've learned to trust God to supply their needs and to guide them into the unknown. But this verse is for any Christian. It's how God makes old things new. We walk by faith, not by sight, not in darkness, but in light. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. What was the Apostle Paul's aim? His aim was to please God, make decisions to please God. Adam wanted to please Eve, so he ate the forbidden fruit. From, in from infancy, we learn to please our parents. Later on, we learn to please our teachers, coaches, friends, boss, spouse, and children. But pleasing one person should be paramount in any decision we make. Will this decision please God? The Holy Spirit, being God, is not merely a spiritual force. He's a person to be pleased. A recent survey showed 62% of self-described born-again Christians believe that the Holy Spirit is a force and not a person. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is more than God's active force more than God's power and action, more than God's projected energy to accomplish his will in the world. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 26 times in the Old Testament and about 250 times in the New Testament. He's described in different ways, like a dove, fire, oil, water, and wind but also with clear references as a person. The Holy Spirit can be grieved and lied to. He can be resisted, blasphemed against, and outraged. As you contemplate your next step in life, consider what would make God happy. The start of the new year is a good time to evaluate the way you talk and how you treat other people, what you do with your time and how you spend your money. Make decisions to please the Lord. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body. Make decisions with the judgment seat in mind. The judgment seat is a certain future event which should impact the way that we live now. Called the Bema seat, it's the place where the works of every believer will be tested by fire and the works which pass the test will be rewarded. It's the ultimate performance review.
When I went to see the eye doctor, he dilated my eyes. Next, he took a bright light and magnifying lens to look inside my eyeballs. The bright light was so intense, he had to pry my eyelids open to peer inside. I could see his eyeball looking through the magnifying lens. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account, says Hebrews 4.13. It's one thing to have your eyeballs examined with a bright light and magnifying lens. It's another thing to have every detail of your life, every thought and action examined by God. There's nothing hidden which will not be revealed. Walking by faith to please God with the judgment seat in mind is the new way of making decisions. This leads us to the third point. The spirit of life shows a new reason for living. The spirit of life shows a new reason for living. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Naturally, the reason we live is to satisfy our selfish desires, but we struggle to, to fight against this all-about-me mentality. What's the new reason for living? The driving force behind the persuasive life is the fear of the Lord, that God will be evaluating my life causes me to fear the Lord. But the happy pagan gives no thought to his accountability to God. A young person wrote, I haven't liked religion since I was 15, but I downright hate it now. Now that I see in even more ways the ridiculous hold it has over people and how that affects everyone's lives, it's like this unquestionable monolith that prevents rational thought. I simply hate how religion dictates how everyone lives. This young person is an example of someone deceived by Satan not wanting to live in the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So he didn't come to take orders. The Holy Spirit came into your heart to take over as Lord. The absence of the Holy Spirit in the unbeliever's heart leaves a void for other entities to fill. A heart devoid of the spirit is susceptible to demonic spirits through following occult and new age practices. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom from the bondage to demonic forces. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, 
for the love of Christ controls us. The controlling reason behind the new life is the love of Christ. The love of Christ refers not to my love for him, but his love for me. He loved me enough to die for me. He loves us with an everlasting love. The specifics of having the love of Christ control us means something different for everyone. It might mean re-evaluating your criteria for choosing your lifelong love, who you, your children, and your grandchildren, Mary, make all the difference in the world. One of the worst examples in the Bible of marrying the wrong person was the marriage of Jehoram to Athaliah. I doubt if he or his parents prayed about it. It seemed like the perfect match, the son of King Jehoshaphat of Judah marrying the daughter of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel of Israel. But Athaliah and her parents were Baal worshipers and not worshipers of Yahweh, the Lord God. Jehoram's decision to marry Athaliah led to, the, to his father, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, making an ungodly alliance with evil King Ahab resulting in the destruction of Judah's army in battle. Jehoram's intermarriage with Baal led to the agonizing death of Jehoram himself from an incurable bowel disease, the introduction of Baal worship in Judah, and the murder of his grandchildren by his wicked wife, Athaliah. When choosing the love of his life, Jehoram wasn't controlled by God's love. This led to disastrous consequences. Let the love of Christ controls you. He wants what's best for you. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The pressing goal of the unselfish life is to live for Jesus. Living for myself is not what God put me on earth to do. It's rather an empty aim. When we have nothing else to live for, then choose to live for Jesus. David and Barbara Green started Hobby Lobby in 1970 by borrowing $600 to make picture frames in their basement. They are one of the richest couples in America. The Greens are major contributors to Christian outreach causes like the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. But with all their business success and evangelistic philanthropy, they consider their greatest joy that of seeing their children and their grandchildren serving the Lord. The Greens decided 
that the Lord owns their business and that they are stewards. All their decisions about how they treat their employees, their customers, and the, their suppliers stem from that guiding principle. What does it mean for you to live for him who for your sake died and was raised? Use your time, treasure, and talents to help others come to Christ and grow in their faith. Your new reason for living is to live for Jesus in the fear of the Lord because of his great love. Which takes us to the fourth point. The spirit of grace creates a new life for reconciling. The spirit of grace creates a new life for reconciling. God wants you to have a new life. The creator of 200 billion galaxies cares about you. Having a new life brings benefits. What are these benefits? Benefit number one, you become a new creation. Just as God created the heavens and the earth, he will turn you into a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Your life will never be the same. Your home will never be the same. Why is the new birth needed to enter heaven? Jesus said to the Pharisee Nicodemus, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot go to heaven with having a spiritual life created in you by the Holy Spirit. Becoming a new creation means no more old. The new replaces it and remains. You are like a caterpillar transformed in the chrysalis into a beautiful butterfly. The butterfly can't go back to being a caterpillar. The old has passed away, and so it is with you. Beca but how can I tell if I've become a new creation? Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You have become a new creation when you have a desire not to sin against God. The thought of seeing Jesus at his second coming makes us want to be pure. 1 John 3, 2-3 says, When he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. To be like Jesus means to be pure. Like the type of silicon used in manufacturing silicon chips, 
It's called 99-silicon because it's 99.9999999% pure. It's the purity that makes the silicon effective. The purer your new life, the more effective your testimony. Purity is the evidence that you've become a new creation. The second benefit of a new life is your broken fellowship with God is restored. The Lord is restoring you to the kind of friendship he had with Adam in the Garden of Eden before the fall. He took walks with Adam in the cool of the day. Because of Adam's sin, his fellowship with God was broken along with every one of his descendants. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Not counting their trespasses or sins against them is forgiveness. The forgiveness of sins does not come by works of righteousness. If we could be saved by good works, Christ died for no purpose. To have a new life requires two things. It needs washing and it needs renewing. Titus 3.5 says, according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit means that the Holy Spirit does the regenerating and the renewing, making old things new and clean. Spiritually clean and new is what I felt when I came up out of the waters of baptism. Maybe someone listening today will want to talk to Pastor Simon about getting baptized in the new year. Come to the water so that you can have true communion with the Spirit and with other believers. The outflow of the new life is the ministry of reconciliation. We become new Christians not only to receive the benefits of the new life, but to do the ministry of reconciliation. The Spirit of grace creates your new life for reconciling. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile means to bring two opposing sides back together. God and man are at war with each other because of man's rebellion. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. All Christians are ambassadors and have been been given the task to appeal for reconciliation on God's behalf. An ambassador represents his home country in a foreign land. He speaks on behalf of his nation When he speaks, it's the same as his nation speaking. 
The believer's citizenship is in heaven. Earth is foreign soil to us. It's not our home residence. Christians are here just to represent God. As ambassadors, we bring God's offer of reconciliation. No matter what our age, whether old or young, we serve as ambassadors for Christ, tasked with the ministry of reconciliation. One summer, I was home from college and volunteering in children's church. The children's pastor teamed me up with an older man who had a heart for children's ministry. As a team, we visited homes together, inviting children to church. This gentleman had come to Christ later in life, and he wanted to impact the next generation with the gospel to keep them from making the same mistakes that he made as an adult. He wanted children to be reconciled to God. But we do not work in our own strength and cleverness. Even the man Christ Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do God's work. Jesus said that he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 61.1. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Since Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit for his ministry, how much more must we in order to do the ministry of reconciliation? We might feel too dumb, too weak, too tired, too scared, too poor. Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. God wants you to begin a new life. How do I get this new life? by accepting Christ as your sin substitute. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. What God the Father did in making Jesus sin was that Jesus became our substitute and on him fell the penalty of our sin. Christ was sinless, though tempted Christ never committed sin, either in his heart, or in speech, or in deed. And out of love, Christ offered himself as a sacrifice in the place of the guilty. Only the one who is entirely without sin of his own was free to bear the sins of others. But you might be thinking, I'm too far gone. How could God ever forgive me? He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's never too late to repent and trust Christ as Savior. You can do it today by simply admitting to God you're a sinner and calling on Jesus to save you.
It's time to stop fighting the Holy Spirit who is speaking to your heart and lay down your arms. How does God make old things new? Through Jesus Christ, God makes old things new by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the pledge. God will trade a new body for my old one. The Spirit of truth is the new way to make decisions. The Spirit of life shows a new reason for living. The Spirit of grace creates a new life for reconciling. The start of the new year is a perfect time for new beginnings. What will this new year be like for you? For those without Jesus, you can begin a new relationship with him. For those who once were walking with the Lord but have wandered away, it's a perfect time to renew your commitment. The Holy Spirit has never left you. You're still his child. Confess your sins and be cleansed of your unrighteousness. Then resume your journey with a new goal. Let 2023 be a year of new beginnings with the Holy Spirit to guarantee your redemption, to guide your decision-making, to give you the reason to live, and to create in you a new life for reconciling those far from God. Behold, I make all things new, says the Holy One who sits on the throne. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray as the word of God goes forth that our faith not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. May the spirit of Christ comfort the hopeless, convict the careless, and convert the lifeless, as only you have the power to create new out of old. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.